0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Silicon Valley. Welcome to the show, Neil Bawa.
1: Thanks for having me on, Victor. Very excited to be on the Espresso Podcast.
0: Great to have you here. Neil, we've got to know each other and we've been looking at all kinds of different projects over the span of the last year. And I'd love to get your perspective for our listeners. You've got a fairly sizable portfolio. What's been happening in the capital markets? I know there's been a lot of movement in the last 60 to 90 days and love to get your perspective on what's working, what's not working, and what's the current landscape.
1: I think we're currently in the part of the cycle where the capital markets are still trying to figure out where they want to be, where they want to be at. And so, the first thing that we're seeing in the capital markets is inconsistency across the board. There's lenders that are behaving completely different from how they should be behaving. Uh, there's lenders that are driven by fear, not by data. This happens very early in an in a event like this. We saw it happen very briefly after 2000 and, and, and after the 9 11 uh, event. And so, certain parts of the market have frozen up completely simply because they don't know how to underwrite. So we are seeing CMBS loans pretty much being locked out of the market at this point. Most of the insurance uh, lenders who are really a, a phenomenal source of lending, especially for those of us that are in multifamily, uh, are are just sitting on the sidelines. I mean, I, I think these people have a huge amount of dry powder to deploy. They just don't have a methodology that works for them. They're worried about, you know, asset prices going down. They're worried about, um, potential defaults. They're worried about tenants not paying, nationwide rent strikes, whatever you want to call it. It's led these people to, at this point, just say, hey, we're just going to sit out of the market for the next two or three months and see what happens. Which basically means that if you're looking at the capital markets and you have a project today, if it's a, you know, obviously things depend upon whether it's a value add project or if it's new construction, but the number of players has reduced to, you know, there's Fannie Mae, there's Freddie Mac, there's local banks. And the biggest variation that I'm seeing is in the local banks. We've got some banks, uh, like some of our projects are still being quoted. They're quoting lower rates than they were quoting, you know, in February. simply because you're seeing, you know, 10-year treasuries down this much, which is puzzling to us because in, in, in my mind, those rates should be higher now because the risk levels are higher. But those banks haven't adjusted. So we've, we've talked with local banks for our project in Austin, uh, sorry, in Dallas. We've talked with local banks for a project in Phoenix and one in, in Utah, and those banks are actually quoting lower numbers now, but there's a big but there. Those banks are making sure that the liquidity uh, amongst the general partners is higher. They're making sure that the net worth numbers are higher. Before, they were a little bit flexible on that, so $20 million in loans, if the net worth for the partners was $15 million, it sort of worked. If the liquidity wasn't 5%, it still worked today not only do they want that liquidity and they want you know 10% liquidity instead of 5% liquidity, but they're being a lot more careful about who it is that's actually putting liquidity into the project. There was this process where everyone was bringing these piggyback uh, balance sheet people into the project where you know it's, it's really Neil's project or Victor's project, and then you bring one other person in just to kind of shore up the balance sheet. The banks are not looking at that as, as something that they like today. So there are loans being turned down because 95% of the balance sheet, the liquidity, the net worth is coming from some third party that clearly had nothing to do with the project. And that's not being allowed anymore. And that's putting, making it really difficult for, for um, folks that are looking to buy you know, value-add projects. So, so that, you know, on, on, that's what we're seeing on the capital market side. And then on the Fannie and Freddie side, of course, we've, we've heard about this where Fannie and Freddie are like, well, we don't know if you're going to be able to pay your mortgage. So what we're going to do is ask you to pay a year's worth of your insurance, a year's worth of your mortgage, a year's worth of taxes. We want you to impound all of those taxes together and give it to, up, up, give it to us up front when you're buying your value-add property. And then, and this part is not 100% clear, we're going to basically allow you to draw from that. Now, initially, the guidance was, no, you, you still have to pay us. We're not going to let you draw from it. And then they started saying, yeah, there are some cases where you could actually draw from that, that money and, and not pay your uh, mortgage. So now we have the syndication industry, which is like, wow, so all of a sudden for a twenty dollars property, I have to raise a million and a half more. Uh and 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 what happens a year later? I mean when I pay this when when these these impounds go away, but now I've I've raised a million and a half in equity. Oh my God, you know, I have to pay a lot less with the property. So people are still at that point where they haven't figured out there are, there are intermediate financial engineering solutions. And I can I can discuss one of the solutions with, with you. And so a lot of people are now preparing to raise a million, million and a half extra in equity. And that is Inevitably, going to drive up cap rates because you, you, you're going to end up paying, you know, quite a lot, quite a lot less for that building if you're raising a million dollars more in equity, because your returns are going to go down, right? What people should be doing is short-term financial engineering, but I haven't seen a lot of people try that, so they're just raising extra equity. So as a result, the market is is freezing up, and a lot of this has to do with unav- you know non-availability of capital because our initial fear of delinquency, our initial fear of decline in occupancy, clearly, we're beginning to get past that. Would you agree with that, Victor, that we're beginning to get past that?
0: Well, I guess it really depends on a number of things, because this is such a moving target from week to week. Mm -hmm. One of the things lenders and investors alike have been looking at is what's the collections going to look like? What was the, the default rate going to be for tenants on April 1st and on May 1st? I know the numbers are just starting to the numbers are just starting to come in for the 1st of May. What's been your perspective in your portfolio? How have those collections gone?
1: Um, much better than expected for both April and May. So we have uh, we were at about 92% in collections for April. May, we were projecting would be a little worse, you know, like 2% worse. So we, we were thinking we'd come in at 90. So far, May, every single property that has been polled in the first 12 days of the, of the month uh, is a little bit above. Um I can speculate as to why that's happening I think it's probably the more ch- uh, of the checks coming in it's the the very generous unemployment program that we have going right now so it could be one of those it could be the fact that because PPP checks have come into employers a lot of them are like okay come on back in so I think it's a combination of those so we're actually seeing an uptick from where we were in April and to be honest, um, I I, th- I thought that we were really happy with April, um, because we were you know at a, there was this 45 days ago there was this gloom doom scenario where 30 percent of your tenants wouldn't pay rent or 20 percent wouldn't pay rent. Well, you know if it's if you're if you're collecting over 90 percent and and that's by the way also a nation nationwide number our our properties didn't do anything extraordinary. We were in that 91 92 percent collection range. Uh, Class B properties are collecting maybe another percent more, and Class A are collecting even another two percent more. But on the occupancy side, it's been very, very stable. I've checked with all of my friends, everyone says occupancy stable. A lot of people that had given us notices to vacate have decided to pull those notices back. They don't wanna go anywhere in the middle of a pandemic. We are seeing a significant dip in uh, occupancy for Class A properties, and that happened in May only, not in April, so we didn't see anything there. But in May, it was sharp enough for multiple sources to talk about it and for us to look at it. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're getting advisories from Marcus and Millistrap and Barcadia and a bunch of other people saying, you know what, there's an occupancy issue in beginning to happen in Class A. So we've seen that, but it hasn't affected Class B or Class C as yet. Rents have been mostly flat, so down 0.7% for the you know so far because of this, and that's a very very small decline in rents. But I do expect that there's going to be some more decline in rents going forward. And the lenders, really, the reason the capital markets are are frozen is they want to see this stuff. They want to see where rents go, where, where occupancies go, where delinquencies go. And as as we move forward there's the potential that the capital markets will loosen because we certainly are not seeing any evidence of doom gloom scenarios we're not seeing anything worst case happen anywhere in the country
0: well it's a human reaction it doesn't matter whether you're an investor or whether you're an investor or not people like certainty and investors in particular like certainty and my goodness we are certainly in a period of uncertainty so how do you give an investor certainty when things are moving so quickly from week to week? You know, you're going to be standing in front of an investor and saying, oh, don't worry about those 33 million unemployment claims. That's not going to affect our rental business at all. And they're going to look at you a little bit skeptically. Do you sit on the sidelines now? Do you try and move forward with projects? Or do you only go after distressed assets? What's your, what's your perspective? I think
1: our, my mindset on that changes on a day-to-day basis. As I, as I look at data, it changes I believe that my, my thought process of you know how much distressed assets there, go, there are going to be in the, let's say, the multifamily realm, which I tend to be focused on, or, or public storage, I think there's going to be less distressed assets than I thought 30 days ago. And that may still change. It really depends on how we do with the reopening of the country and whether we, we see you know, uh, subsequent shutdowns. But today, what I'm seeing is small rent declines significant price declines because of the Fannie Mae Freddie Mac impound restrictions so it could be as much as 10 percent of a price decline that we could see in Q3 and Q4 but my investment philosophy and thesis has always been about five years and I believe that within 24 months we're going to come back close to not exactly where we are but close to where we were at the beginning of the year so it could be 24 months could be 30 it could even be 36 months but there's not, there is no statistical evidence of a, you know, 1930s type def- depression scenario. I think that would have happened if we hadn't shut the country down and ended up with millions of people that have died and, and you know, hospitals that were bankrupt. We are still going to see problems. We're going to see problems in the hospital sector, in, in tourism. We're going to see problems in, in real estate sectors that are tied to that. So uh, malls and, and and, you know, hotels are going to definitely see issues but my investment thesis has always been i'm buying buildings because i still think that people need to pay rent and what and i think it was proven right in a way that we've never seen before victor we had tenants who had lost their jobs that paid rent for april and may which just gives you this you know this belief that you are in the right segment i mean and everybody else all of my friends that are in other segments in real estate every time I talk with them, they're like, oh boy, Neil, you're so lucky. You're in apartments and I'm doing this and I'm in strip malls and I'm in hotels. I mean, you can hear in their voice that that's where they want to be. They want to be in the workforce apartment housing business. So I do believe that we're going to see some price declines, but I think that those price declines may be fairly short. You might see them in Q3 and Q4 of this year and the market might then restabilize. I also believe that by the beginning of the year, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will withdraw these highly onerous and unnecessary restrictions regarding impounds because that's really what's driving the multifamily market down. It is not rents. It is not occupancy. It is not delinquency. What's driving the market down is the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac onerous requirement. And I think they're going to realize that and pull back on it.
0: Well, Neil, I love it. Thank you for this perspective. I think it's a tremendous insight. Will you come back and chat with us again? uh, Talk about maybe some other aspects of the market? I'd love to do that, uh, Victor. Well, if, if folks want to get in touch, if they want to learn a bit more, what's the best way? Uh,
1: multifamilyu.com. That's multifamily followed by the letter u.com. We do about 50 webinars a year and have about 40,000 attendees a year that attend our various uh, information-driven webinars. They're about all aspects of real estate, all assets in real estate. So would love to talk with you through multifamilyu.com.
0: That's awesome. Well, definitely definitely reach out to Neil at multifamilyu.com. And for the listeners at home, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.